in the spring of 1894, I don't believe anyone here was there then, but there was a baseball team in Boston who was playing a routine baseball game. And uh, during, one of the, during the game, uh, one of the players got into a fight with another. And within minutes, all the players from both teams had joined in the brawl. Uh, before too long, the warfare spread to the stands of the stadium. And amongst the fans, the conflict went from bad to worse. Uh, someone set fire to the stands and the entire ballpark was burned to the ground. Uh, the fire then spread to 107 other buildings in Boston as well. Uh, that story illustrates uh, the deadly way that anger can spread. Anger is contagious. And that really is the truth uh, behind the proverb that we're looking at this morning. It's Proverbs chapter 22, verses 24 and 25, uh, which reads, Make no friendship with an angry man, and with a furious man do not go, lest you learn his ways and set a snare for your soul. This proverb warns of the danger of anger and of close friendship with people who are regularly angry. Uh, their anger will spread to us. But before I go into more detail about what this proverb means to us, it's uh, worthwhile to make a few things clear about proverbs in general. Uh, we need to read proverbs in the right way. Uh, first thing to say is proverbs are not promises. Proverbs are not promises, and proverbs are also not law in the strict sense of the word. I'll explain what I mean by that in a moment. Uh, but the first thing to say is proverbs are not promises. Uh, proverbs teach us general truths which give us wisdom for living godly lives. Uh, but let me give an example of a proverb which is not a promise. Uh, Proverbs 22, verse 6 says, Teach a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now that's a proverb. Uh, it teaches us truth, but it's not a promise. Now we all know, don't we, that there are people who are taught well, uh, they are uh, taught in the way they should go, but when they're older, they depart from it. We probably all know people like that. You can have two siblings who are taught in exactly the same way, given exactly the same upbringing, but one chooses one path and another chooses another. Even identical twins may not grow up exactly the same way, even though they have the same upbringing. So Proverbs 22, verse 6 is true. Teach a child in the way he should go, and he, when he is old, he will not depart from it that has a general truth, and there's a wisdom to that, that teach a child young, and they have, will have a much greater chance of making good choices when they are old. But it's not a promise. It does not always happen in that way. 
Nevertheless, the general truth, the general wisdom, remains true. That's what I mean when we shouldn't take Proverbs as promises. Uh, But neither should we take them as hard and fast laws. I'll give another example. Uh, In Proverbs chapter 26, verses 4 to 5, uh, it says, Answer not a fool according to his folly, lest you be like him yourself. Next verse says, Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. Which you see the problem. Verse 20, sorry, verse 4 of chapter 26 says, don't answer a fool according to his folly. If you're talking to a foolish person and they're saying foolish things, don't interact with that. Don't engage with that. Otherwise, you'll become like them. But the next verse, it says, answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. In other words, sometimes when you're talking to a foolish person, you need to correct them. Otherwise, they will stay in their foolishness. But if you treat that proverb, both those proverbs, as a hard and fast law, your head will explode. (laughs) Because you're going to have to break one or the other. Instead, what the proverb teaches us is that in some situations, one course of action is right. In other situations, the opposite course of action is right. And wisdom is about knowing what the time is. Uh, Wisdom, if you like, is being able to tell the time. That's what Ecclesiastes chapter 3 says. You know Ecclesiastes chapter 3, the opening of that chapter? Uh, It says there is time to speak and a time to be silent. There is time to plant and there's a time to pluck up what is planted. Uh, There's a time to live and there's a time to die. And it gives us a whole list of different things, different opposites. And sometimes it's the right thing to go down one path, but other times it's right to go down the opposite. Wisdom is about understanding what the time is. Uh, So don't take Proverbs as hard and fast laws in that sense. They are guidance for us to help us understand what the time is. And so with that in mind, let's come to this proverb, verse 24 of Proverbs 22. Make no friendship with an angry man, and with a furious man do not go, lest you learn his ways and set a snare for your soul. Uh, This proverb does not mean that we must never be friends with people who sometimes get angry. Uh, If that was the case, you wouldn't be friends with many people. (laughs) We all get angry on occasion, and getting angry is normal. Sometimes it's even good. Uh, I would suggest that it's a bad sign if you know someone who is never angry, because there are plenty of things in the world which we should be justly angry at. Uh, There's an interesting verse in the book of Ephesians which says, be angry, or is it James, in the book of James, Be angry, but do not sin. Be angry and sin not. Anger is not necessarily a bad thing. This proverb is not speaking about a person who sometimes gets angry. It's talking about an angry person. 
someone who is frequently angry without good purpose, someone whose life is marked by short temper, by an anger which is seething underneath. I think we probably know people like this, don't we? People whose their anger is never far below the surface. And it rages its, uh, raises its head, or rages its head, uh, regularly. They are an angry person. They are not just a person who sometimes get angry. Also, when this proverb says, make no friendship with an angry man, it doesn't mean that we should shun or cold shoulder angry people. Uh, we can be friendly and civil to someone without being close friends with them. And that is what this proverb is speaking of. Don't make close friendship with someone who is consistently angry. Otherwise, as it says in verse 25, you will learn his ways and set a snare for your soul. So enough of what this proverb doesn't mean. Let's spend the rest of our time now looking at what it does mean. What does this proverb mean for us in our everyday lives? And what it means at rock bottom is this. It means that we, whether we realise it or not, are influenced by the character of our friends. The people you choose to be friends with, the people you choose to associate with, will have an effect on your own character and on your own behaviour. You cannot avoid it. Those you walk with will affect your walk. It's inevitable. That is what this proverb is teaching. If you have friends who prioritise God and put him first and the worship of him first, that will have an influence on your life. If, on the other hand, you are friends, close friends with people who put God second or third or fourth or nowhere in their lives, that will also have a negative, that will have a negative impact on your life. Uh, If your friends are those who don't care about God, if your friends are people who are uh, regularly involved in things they should not be involved in, don't think that you can remain immune from it yourself. If you want a close walk with Christ, you need to walk with people who are Christ-like. Otherwise, you'll end up finding you're walking in the wrong Direction. So with that in mind, let me ask you a question, first of all, this morning. Uh, think of your closest friends. Uh, I trust that you have friends. We all have friends of some description. Think of your closest friends. Are your closest friends your godliest friends? Your most Christ-like friends? If they are not then this proverb warns us that we will learn from those who are closest to us. Now, you might object, and you might say, well, I don't have godly people around me. 
I don't have Christ-like people around me. Uh, I have to make do with the people who I am among. And if that's the case, that's sad. That's tragic. And that's a horrible situation to be in. But that doesn't nullify the truth of this proverb. Uh, Just because you've got no clean water to hand doesn't mean poison will do. (laughs) You see, if you are not with people who are Christ-like, then you will be dragged into the direction of those who you do make friends with. That is the warning of this proverb. Did you notice that language? It says, beware lest you learn his or her ways and set a snare for your soul. You know what a snare is, don't you? A snare is used to catch animals. It's hidden. You don't notice it. That's the whole point. And so many people are caught in the snare of unhelpful friendships which drag them down. But let's just narrow this down, make this even more specific. What does this mean for different uh, groups of people, different individuals perhaps here this morning? Uh, Perhaps you're a young person, a young man or woman, young boy or girl for that matter. This proverb is of particular relevance to you, whether you watch online or here in the building. Uh, The people you choose now as your friends will have a huge impact on the course of your life going forward. Uh, We sometimes hear, don't we, uh, of young people who drift away from the faith. They drift away from Christ, and they might give all sorts of reasons like, well, the Bible's full of errors, or what about all the hypocrites in the church, and all sorts of reasons people give. But nearly always, look a bit deeper, look a bit further back, And you'll see that person who has drifted away has first of all made unhelpful friends. That is nearly always how it happens at the beginning. And it is from then, them that they learn the reasons not to believe. Who you choose as your friends will drag you in the direction your life will go. There is no way to avoid that. Likewise, even more important, uh, if you're looking for a life partner, uh, this proverb should be of great assistance to you. Uh, There are many sort of red lines people draw in relationships, aren't there? Uh, Some people won't date someone with brown hair uh, who have uh, the wrong figure or who drive the wrong sort of car or who have the wrong salary, uh, or who don't uh, earn a certain uh, amount of money in other ways. And there's all sorts of deal-breakers people have. And yet, how many people have as their deal-breakers that person's character? It's rare, isn't it? People have all sorts of superficial reasons for dating someone or not dating someone, for marrying someone or not marrying someone, But how many make character an important factor in their decision? And that's even more ridiculous when you think about it. Because these superficial things like looks and like money and like other aspects which 
relatively speaking, are superficial, are far less to do with our ultimate happiness than a person's character is. Uh, your spouse's character is going to be the chief source of joy or misery in your life as you go on through life. And I'm sure the married people here in this building would attest to that. If you want to be happy, your chief desire should be to find someone of good character, not just someone with a good, healthy bank balance. And that's why this proverb says what it says. It says, make no friendship with an angry man, and with a furious man, do not go. If you are a woman, and you are interested in a man who is consistently angry, that should be an alarm bell for you. That should be a red line for you. Because if you ignore that, you are setting yourself up for misery later. And the same applies for young men to women. Uh, women can get angry just like men. And if the person you would like to marry is consistently angry, that is a warning. And that needs to be dealt with and addressed before marriage. Because wisdom says, make no friendship with an angry man and with a furious man do not go. But let's move on to another group. What about married men and women? Um, what do you do if you're married to a man or a woman who is angry? Um, and this is what I mean, by the way, when I say that proverbs are not laws. Uh, faithfulness in marriage is a law. So I'm afraid divorce is not an option if your spouse is an angry spouse. Um, but the, proverb, the truth of this proverb still remains the same. Uh, this proverb is true nonetheless. And if you have a spouse who is consistently angry, that will drag you down. That will be a danger to you that you will learn the ways of your spouse if you are not careful. And that's why it's all the more important for married men and women to have good Christ-like, godly friends around them who will provide them with perspective, will provide them with support. Uh, we need good friends to help us see. Otherwise, we will see life through the tainted lens of the angry people around us. So the same principle applies. But what about older men and women? Uh, perhaps you are of an older generation and you're not making many new friends nowadays. Uh, the friends you've had are the friends you've had for donkey's years. Um, and making new friends isn't really uh, perhaps a priority or a realistic expectation. But this proverb still speaks to you as well. Uh, because it questions you. It asks you, what legacy are you leaving to others? Are you an angry man? Are you an angry woman? What sort of friend are you? Uh, are you a curmudgeon and a grump? Uh, are you constantly complaining about how things are not how they used to be? Do you see how anger can manifest itself in lots of different ways? 
Uh, it's quite rare, really, for anger to manifest itself in violence. More often it comes through nagging, moaning, complaining, griping, uh, sniping with our words. Is that how people see us? What legacy are you leaving to others? Because older men and women have a unique opportunity to be a model to younger men and women of what a Christ-like life looks like. Now, I remember an older man I knew once. I'm not sure if he's still alive, to be honest. Uh, but he, started, he was involved in beach missions in years gone by. And he went out to the Philippines and he decided to start beach missions uh, in the Philippines. And he discovered that in the Philippines, um, people didn't stay on the beach because it was too hot. They spent their time in the water. So beach missions in this country is on the sand, on the beach. Uh, but because all the people were in the water, he decided to do beach missions in the water. And he started doing uh, games and activities in the water where all the people were. And he must have been in his 70s when uh, I saw him a few years ago. And he was just radiating joy. Uh, I was with him on a mission in Bournemouth. And uh, I saw he had disappeared from the, um, the open air that we were doing in, in the Bournemouth, in the square, or well, the circle, if you know, Bournemouth. And I wondered where he had gone. I walked around the corner and I saw him talking to a large group of teenagers and just overflowing with sharing the gospel with these young people. Uh, his life was marked by a joy and an enthusiasm. Now, we all have different personalities. Uh, we all have different demeanors. But our lives should be marked by a joy and a contentment that only comes through Christ. And that is a powerful influence on other people. Uh, nobody wants to be around someone who's miserable, someone who's a grump, someone who's always complaining about everything. Nobody wants to be around an angry man or woman. But there's great power in the testimony of a someone who is not angry, who is not bitter, who is content. Even though things are not perfect, nevertheless, they have a hope in Christ. And let me ask you, if you are an older man or woman, uh, is that you? Are you marked more by grumbling or more by joy and contentment? See how this proverb speaks to you. But just in closing, uh, in a few minutes we're going to be singing a song. Uh, one there is, above all others, well deserves the name of friend. And the book of Proverbs itself says that there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And the friend we all need to spend the most time with is Jesus. Uh, our earthly friends will always let us down to some extent. They will say things they shouldn't say. They will do things they shouldn't do. But Christ is the one who is the greatest friend, as we just sang a few moments ago. Make sure you spend much time with him reading his words, speaking with him. Uh, Jesus himself said, didn't he, if I abide in you and you abide in me, you will bear much fruit. That's the exact opposite of the result of spending time with 
angry people, discontented people, people who are full of their own thoughts and not Christ's thoughts. To make friendship with such people is to set a snare for our soul. But to make friendship with Christ is life to our souls. But just one final warning. Uh, When I say spend time with Jesus, uh, don't mistake me as saying that that means we must spend all our time in a room by ourselves with our Bible or in a cloister praying to Jesus. Uh, That's part of it. We should do that. But that's not all of it. Because here's a tragic reality. Uh, There are people who do spend a lot of time meditating, even reading God's word, even praying. And yet their time and their fellowship isn't really with Christ. It's with themselves. Do you know what I mean? Some people can spend a lot of time praying at Jesus, but really they're just repeating their own thoughts to themselves. We can think we're spending time with Jesus when actually we're just spending time with a figment of our own imaginations. We have an amazing or a horrific ability to read God's word and ignore the bits we don't like. Ever notice that? We can read the bits we like and just cleverly somehow not see the bits which we most need to hear. That's why it's crucial to have Christ-like friends. It's much harder to ignore a living, breathing person in front of you. A friend who will not allow you to walk down a dangerous path. To have a friend who loves you enough to call you out when you're going wrong. We can sometimes twist the Bible to make it mean what we want it to mean. It's more difficult when we have someone in front of us telling us and informing us and showing us what a Christ-like life looks like. So don't just go to the cloister. Just Don't just go to your prayer closet. Surround yourself with people who are walking with Christ, who love you enough to tell you when you're going wrong. Such a friend is more precious than anything else almost in the world. A friend who will tell you the truth. A friend who will lead you closer to Christ. And when you walk with such people, you will walk closer to Christ himself. But lastly, uh, you might be someone here this morning and you're not friends with Christ at all. Uh, You haven't yet made your peace with him. And that's the first thing you must do. Before anything else, before you worry about your friends or who's not your friends, first you need to make your peace with him. Confess your sin to him. Acknowledge that you cannot save yourself and accept his salvation. Accept what he has done for you and then walk with him. Walk with Christ-like people and you will find rest for your souls. And with those thoughts, 
in mind before we come on the Lord's table a little later. We're going to sing that hymn which I mentioned a little earlier. Number 155. One there is above all others, well deserves the name of friend. His is love beyond a brother's, costly, free, and knows no end. They who once his kindness prove, find it everlasting love. So we'll close by singing number 155.